Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in Health IT, we're going to continue with the HR people trends. And today we're going to look at 2023, start to break these down and try to develop our I believe statements for 2023. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Site, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. All right, as I said yesterday, I go through this exercise every December. I write out my I believe statements, and you can listen to yesterday's show about this whole concept, but the bottom line of it is we act on our beliefs, right? So it's important to figure out what we believe about certain things. So what do we believe about the economy? What do we believe about HR and people trends? What do we believe around technology trends going into 2023? Because this is going to impact the decisions that you make. And it's better to know what those are, get them on a piece of paper, start discussing them, and to vet them with others before you start making decisions based on them. And people go, why, why are they making that decision? It's better if you know what they are and the people around you know what they are. So what we did yesterday, we chose a report from the Academy to Innovate HR. And the reason I did that was because they had a 2022 report and I was able to look at that 2022 report and identify that of the 11 trends that they had, I agreed with most of what they came up with, that it had happened in this year or is happening now and I believe going to continue into 2023. And so yesterday what we did is we evaluated that report and they had some really good trends in that report, stuff you, you're going to want to consider going into 2023. They don't just stop. Trends, trends don't just stop at the end of the year. We write a lot about them at the end of the year. And one of the reasons there's the 11 trends for HR and the top 10 technology trends in the top is because they get hits. For whatever reason, search engine optimization loves it. We love them. We love the quick hits. We know it's going to be bulleted. It's going to be easy for us to digest. And so they get a lot of hits. And what we are going to do today, after looking at yesterday's 2022 report, HR is a product, collaboration by design, talent marketplaces and allocation, career experiences, so forth, through that report. Today, we're going to start breaking apart the 11 HR trends for 2023. And this will probably be multiple days as well, because there's 11 of them and they're, they're meaty, right? So it's not just a simple concept and away you go. So let's start with the first one, a focus on total well-being. And this is an interesting one. And I, I absolutely agree with this. I'll just tell you right now, I agree with this one going into it. There's a silent crisis happening in organizations. And so this is the excerpt I'm going to give you from this article. According to the American Psychological Association, APA, nearly three in five employees reported negative impacts of work-related stress in the wake of the pandemic. 87% of Americans feel anxious 
about inflation, and 7 in 10 employees are worried that their compensation hasn't kept up with the changes in purchasing power. All right, so our staff, our employees, our staff, our people operate in this world that we are living in. So it's important to understand the world that we are living in and the impact it is having on them. Now, we did a great job of this during the pandemic. We adjusted and we understood that these people had families they had to take care of and they had extended families they had to take care of through the pandemic. And we gave them the flexibility to do that. Now we need to understand that people are anxious about inflation. They're anxious about their pay. These are important things to know and understand. And they're experiencing an awful lot of stress at work. I'm going to go on. HR has arguably been impacted too. The function played a leading role during the pandemic, which has taken its toll. Research by WorkVivo reported that a staggering 98% of HR professionals report feeling burnt out at some point in the past six months. Our first HR trends for 2023 is that organizations will take more responsibility for this looming burnout crisis among employees across the business. First, because it is the right thing to do, and second, because it poses a threat to the continuity of the organization. Full stop. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we're probably ahead of this curve in that we've been talking about this for a long time, specifically around the clinicians and the burnout that they experienced during the pandemic. No one experienced more stress than the, than the clinicians during the pandemic. Absolutely, bar none. It was a wartime type environment for the better part of two years and with not enough R&R. And we're seeing the fallout from that now as we speak, right? So more and more, you're going to have meetings and you're going to have conversations in your organizations around total well-being interventions, around mental and physical and financial where with our well-being of your staff. And that's going to be much more the center of conversation because we understand we can't run these organizations without people. We need our people to be healthy. We need them to be engaged. We need them to operate at the top of their game. And that doesn't mean stress-free, by the way. I don't think we operate at the best if we're stress-free. There needs to be some stress. Stress is is a good driver in some senses. Too much stress, we need to be aware of, right? So there should be this push towards better, towards making something better, making the IT systems better for the clinicians, making them better for the patients. There should be a certain amount of of stress related to that. And then there's work stress, which is just the monotonous work and the the abundance of work and there's no hope at the end of the tunnel and there's no future and you know all that stuff that's what we need to be aware of mental physical and financial well-being so that's going to be the first trend and i'm going to put that in the category of agree strongly and as a an hr as a it leader if i were a cio i would be talking about this with my staff i would be incorporating this into the reviews that we have with our staff. I would figure out how to have more ongoing reviews with the staff, potentially going to, if we're fully remote, potentially going to weekly touch bases with every manager and their staff and their employee. And as the leader of IT, I should be able to ask every manager, 
how their staff is doing, how their employees are doing, and get a response to the person. Because that's what it takes here, right? We're not, we're not customizing to the group anymore. We're customizing to the individual because every individual is an individual. They have an individual life. They have individual financial requirements. They have individual expectations, individual life goals. And we need to be tailoring to that. Now, when you have a, you know, 50,000 person staff, if you were the CEO, 50,000 person and your IT staff is a thousand people, clearly you can't do this yourself. You have to create systems within the organization in order to do this. So I'm going to put this, this is definitely going to be part of my I believe statements moving forward. I believe that this is going to be critical. I believe that HR is going to be a differentiator. Culture is going to be a differentiator. And individual incentives, individual, an understanding at the individual level of what drives people, what motivates people, and what challenges people. We need to understand the stressors at an individual level. And they could be internal or they could be external. All right, so focus on total well-being. Absolutely. Let's go to the second one. Managing workforce ecosystems. Not sure what that means by title, so I'll go on and read the excerpt. While HR has traditionally focused on permanent employees, other types of workers like contractors, gig workers, and employees working for supply chain partners play an increasingly important role in the company's service delivery. In the U.S. alone, 16% of Americans have earned money through gig platforms, According to ADP, in about 40% of the companies, one in four workers is a gig worker. This means that a big part of the total workforce goes unmanaged and HR is missing out on an opportunity to make an impact. We believe that 2023, see that? We believe, believe statements. We believe that 2023 is the year where HR will begin to manage the complex workforce ecosystem beyond permanent employees. This has three implications. Would you like to know what they are? Here they are. First, HR will become actively involved in managing its contingent workforce. They will integrate contractors, gig workers, and external contributors into the HR value chain. This is not only a must-do from a value creation perspective, but also from a risk viewpoint. HR's current, often hands-off attitude towards temporary staff creates a two-tiered workforce that even leading companies like Google struggle to adequately manage. Second, in today's platform economy, HR can contribute to creating a more blended workforce ecosystem by adding value to external contributors. Uber is the largest taxi company, you get the picture. And third, HR should share best practices with supply chain partners, vendors, and service providers. The post-pandemic era has shown the importance of value chains from a production perspective and a reputational standpoint. For instance, Rihanna's fashion label Fenty Beauty was accused of using child labor in its supply chain. HR may not drive partnering decisions, but it has a unique opportunity to strengthen best people practices throughout the supply chain. I'm going to, again, I'm going to agree with this one that there is an opportunity here across the various types of workers that we use. There is an opportunity for HR to play a role, but I'm really looking more at the people trends. Will we have more contractors or less contractors going into next year? And my guess is given the economic situations, we're going to get pushed to reduce the number of contractors. Contractors cost more money. They are generally used for 
projects and not long-term engagements. At least that's how I use them. If it was, uh, if I needed expertise for a short period of time that I did not have in-house, I would go out and get contractors. Or if I needed them to kick off a project and I was eventually going to train staff to run it, I would go out and get contractors. But generally, I required my managers to have a start and an end date for the contractors. And I pushed them on that end date, making sure that we didn't have contractors that were around for a year or two years. That's just not... Uh, productive in any way, shape, or form from uh, my perspective. So I think the number of contractors going to go down next year, that's one of the things that happens in a down economy, is the easiest people to move out are the contractors. Gig workers in healthcare, let me think about it. I guess there could be some gig workers in our world, maybe some developers and those kinds of things. So that would exist as well. Now, what opportunities exist? to integrate them and not create a two-tiered workforce. By the way, there's a huge danger in having a two-tiered workforce. Your full-time staff will resent the contractors, will not work well with the contractors, will actively block the contractors. I've seen it all throughout the years. And so you have to make sure that you do not create a two-tiered environment and it's very possible. I mean, there are some rules around how you can treat contractors and how you can treat gig workers and what you can require from them and what you can't. And they're very different than what you can for full-time employees. And this requires a strong partnership with HR in order to make sure that those workforces are integrated, that you do not create animosity between those various workers. And if you don't think the full-time employees know that you're paying the contractors more, you're wrong. And you're going to have to educate them on the benefits that they receive for being a full-time employee so that they understand that their salary is not just their salary, but it is a bunch of other things, not the least of which is a commitment from the company to actively work to keep them employed. So... Managing the workforce ecosystems, maybe not as strong as a, a, I believe, as the first one, which is a focus on total well-being, but definitely something to keep an eye on and something I want to make sure that we do going into next year. All right, we're only going to get through three today. I'm going to give you the third one, redefining remote and hybrid work strategies. Work has changed in the course of the pandemic. According to McKinsey, the pandemic has sped up digital transformation in organizations by three to four years. I think that's right. That feels right. And workers have adapted accordingly. For instance, LinkedIn data shows that remote jobs, which make up around 20% of all jobs on LinkedIn, received over 50% of all job applications. I will I will second that. We put job applications out there. Our entire staff is remote. And in 48 hours, we received 300 applications for a uh, tech person. We were going to have a, a web developer and person doing our tech. 300 jobs for applications for that. And for a writer slash uh, social media person, we received another 300 within 48 hours. And I don't know if it was all due to the fact that it was remote or you get an opportunity to work with me, but I'm guessing it was the nature of the job. All right. This illustrates that resistance to some degrees of flexibility working will put businesses at a competitive disadvantage. 
And I've talked to some CIOs. They're trying to bring the workers back into the office for reasons like collaboration, for reasons like uh, working together on projects, for reasons like most of the rest of healthcare has to be in the office. And you create this, again, you create this two-tiered system and it's challenging to navigate. So we have a lot of CIOs pulling people back in. What you're going to see is that is going to be a disadvantage. We can argue whether it should or should not happen. But at the end of the day, if you take all the lenses off and if you take two jobs, one that's going to be able to work remote and one that's going to have to be on site and I'm going to have to commute and I'm going to lose an hour a day, let's just say 30 minute commute each way, an hour a day going to and from work, the remote is going to win every time. Regardless, just flat out, take the lenses off. There's a disadvantage to having your, your workers come in to the office unless the rest of the world goes back to it. And I don't think it's going to happen. Not all organizations have realized this and they continue to hold onto outdated strategies that previously made sense. For instance, 95% of executives believe that employees need to be in the office to maintain company culture. Also a nature human behavior study found that collaboration of Microsoft employees dropped by 25% and became more siloed in a remote setting compared to pre-pandemic levels. Wow, a lot in that statement. Let's see, 95% of executives believe that employees need to be in the office to maintain company culture. That's just flat out wrong. You're you're wrong. 95% of you are wrong. You can create a company culture without everyone being in the office. You really have to work hard at it. You have to be intentional at it. You have to make sure that people are connecting on a daily basis to someone. You can't let them alone for two, three days. And that might be a nuisance to them, but consider it their commute time, a check-in meeting, a stand-up meeting. This is their commute time. This is connecting with the rest of the organization. What is, what's going on? It's saying happy birthday. It's celebrating them, all that stuff. It's possible So those 95% of executives are wrong. In fact, we do it extremely well at This Week Health. Now, granted, we 10 employees, not nearly as hard, but you can break your organization down into groups of 10 people. 10 people by department, 10 people by manager, whatever you want to break it down to. And then those managers have to be good at creating the company culture. And then you have to think about how to roll that up and to create a culture across the entire organization. I get it's harder, but it's possible. Also, the nature human behavior study, employees felt more siloed and collaboration dropped by 25%. Absolutely is a possibility. You have to design the organization to address those challenges. Just like if you work in cubicles, you have to design around the challenges that exist for people working in cubicles. I'll tell you, one of the things you don't have in a lot of cases, when people are working remote, is you don't have the water cooler damage that's done when people start to aggregate around a belief that could be wrong. And you have to combat those conversations that are happening, which start off as small fires, end up being big fires. Anyway, redefining remote and hybrid work strategies. Despite this, 64% of employees would consider quitting if they were expected to return to the office full-time. Hybrid working has become part of the modern work culture, despite how organizations are fighting against it. Employees want clear communication and modernized policies. We expected that in 2023, HR practitioners will set clear principles 
about how, where, and when work is done. They will facilitate internal conversations on this topic and push their organizations to make decisions, even if they are temporary as Orton. Employees want clear communication and modernized policies. So here's your, I believe statement. We believe, we expect that in 2023, HR practitioners will set clear principles about how, where, and when work is done. Hopefully they've already done that. If it's not until 2023, this really should have been a 2022 trend. Maybe they missed it and they're just plugging it in here. But this should be defined at this point by work type, by work location, so forth and so on. I mean, these jobs should be, the policy should be set. The role should be set. There should be clear communication throughout. So I'm going to disagree with this one. I'm going to agree with this one in that we have to integrate work strategies around hybrid and remote work. Absolutely. I think this is more of a 2022 trend that is continuing and we will have to continue to monitor this, put the policies in place, educate, communicate, over-communicate, communicate again, what it means and how. So anyway, there's your first three, redefining remote and hybrid work strategies, which I think is more of a 2022 thing, managing workforce ecosystems, that is uh, worker types, contractors, gig workers, and full-time workers. And again, I think this is more of an ongoing trend that has been going. Gig workers, I guess, is sort of a new kind of thing, but in in healthcare, I'm not sure it's as big of a deal, but figuring out how to extend across your supply chain partners, that's an interesting one. I would consider a new trend if, if I were looking at this. And then finally, a focus on total well-being, which out of today's group, I think is the strongest I believe statement. We are going to start focusing on total well-being. Now, for us in healthcare, we've been starting to focus on this earlier this year because of the burnout uh, amongst clinicians, but this is going to extend to all aspects of your organization. So there's your first three. We're going to cover more tomorrow. So hopefully you will stop back and listen to the rest of this as we develop our, I believe, statements around people and HR trends. That's all for today. If you know someone that might benefit from our channel, please forward them a note. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com. Or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, you get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Site, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all.